Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with R.A. Spratt. Today we've got something a little bit different. I'm going to play you a live recording of a Zoom storytelling session I did for a local church. Uh, it was just meant to be a local thing for the local kids, but it ended up we got children from all around Australia and even a girl joined us from America and it just became something a little bit special. So I tell two stories that have already been episodes of the podcast, the first episode of the podcast, Mr. Wolf Pie or my version of the Three Little Pigs, and also a tall tale of ducks and piranha. So they're the two stories I do. But on this live recording, you'll get to hear me talking to the kids before I start and then between the two stories as well. And it's interesting because there's so much going on in all our lives at the time that was going on. And you get to hear us talking about the differences between the different countries and just what's going on in the kids' minds at the moment. So I hope you enjoy the recording. Here it is. In Seattle, Gracie. Yeah, yeah. That's what we've been doing here for like the last eight or nine weeks. And just here, we're starting to go back like one or two days. Like my daughter is in high school, my older one, and she's gone back two days a week. And the kids in primary school are going back like one day a week. But we're we're really looking forward to in a couple of weeks they go back full time. But you're going into your summer holidays, aren't you? A lot of my um, American friends are telling me that they're not going to get to go back to school until. Is it September? And you think, oh, wow, that's awesome. It'll be like Phineas and Ferb. Have you ever watched the Phineas and Ferb show? Where they got, you know, 104 days of summer vacation. To, to something came along, to it's fun. It'll be just like that. You'll just have this huge summer vacation. You should plan so you can really get something done. You could, like, build a bridge or, you know, go to outer space. There's a guy in England who builds his own rockets and then tries to fire them into outer space in his backyard. So, wow. you, you know, use this time. You know, they say, like, when you go to prison, and none of you are ever going to go to prison, but if you do go to prison, they say, do the time, don't let the time do you. So use this massive summer vacation you've got, Gracie, and just do some epic project. That's my advice. Or not, cool. you know, because don't let crazy authors talk you into anything. Oh, it's awesome. we got some more joining in. We're just she's wearing a Friday Barnes hat. She wins. Okay, Gracie yep. wins because she's from the furthest away, but she's wearing a hat. She dressed up. Even I barely dressed up. I, I am wearing trousers. Not many adults at the moment in the world are wearing anything other than tracksuit trousers and pyjamas. So I thought the fact that I was wearing jeans was, was good. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely think it's good. Yeah. She's definitely glad I'm wearing pants. Yeah. See, they call trousers pants in America. Oh, there you go. See, I, I'm there used go. to doing presentations in America and I'm bilingual. I can, I can just Love think, it. don't say trousers, say Love pants it. or else Gracie yeah, won't understand. Hi, Joe. Welcome. To, welcome. How are you? Good to see you. I like your wallpaper, Joe. It's intriguing. That's that's just what it's that's cool. Much cooler than our, our our beige background here. 
But that's okay. We're not going to judge the church for that. They do lots of good works in the community. You can't expect them to have good backgrounds as well. That's it. That's All it. right, should we start? Yeah, I think we've got a fair few on right now. So Look, this girl's... Uh, Elise has fallen asleep. She's oh, yawning. Okay. Well, if we, we don't get, start... No, that's all cool. We can get started. Okay. Well, I might hand over to Rachel then. <gasps> read a story. That's Fantastic. me. I didn't even can bring my trumpet. Can, can, everyone, can everyone say good afternoon to Rachel by waving? Hello. Oh, my God. That actually Hello. looks really cool. <laughs> Hello. All right. Well, we're so excited to have you come and read for us this afternoon. So, with no further ado... Get out of the way. All right. Ah, hello, it's just us now. Let's talk about her. No, we won't do that. That'd be rude. All right, so what story do you want me to read? Should I read a Nanny Piggin story? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I've got a whole bunch of options, but I think I promised to read you a Nanny Piggin story. I've just realized this is a Nanny Piggin story, but I rewrote it because <laughs> it's published in this book and they, I wasn't allowed to make it a Nanny Piggin story. So I had to change it to being a story about a grandmother, but it's all based on Nanny Piggins and it sounds exactly the same. So this is a story that she tells three children, just like I'm going to tell you this story. So I'm going to read this to you. And then at the end, you can ask me questions and abuse me and say, tell me another story. I didn't like that one. Let's get started. So this is from Laugh Your Head Off Again and Again, and it's called Mr. Wolf Pie. And it's basically my version of um, The Three Little Pigs. Here we go. Peter, Luke and Lucy were three lovely children, just like yourselves. And their parents were good, hardworking people. But there comes a point in every school holidays, particularly yours, Gracie, because they're going to go for 275 days this summer. There comes a point in every school holidays when even the nicest child will start to drive even the kindest parent totally insane. No matter how much a parent loves their child, there's a limit to how many snacks they can fix before they want to tear their hair out and scream, for goodness sake, can I just have one moment's peace without having to fetch somebody a sayo cracker? A sayo cracker is like a graham cracker, Gracie. That's, I'm translating for Gracie. You've probably heard your own parents say something similar in this time of pandemic. Anyway, it's at this point that any sensible parent takes action and arranges for their sweet angels to spend a few days with their grandmother. We can't do that at the moment, so just use your imagination. Anyway, Peter, Luke and Lucy did not mind this at all. They loved being sent to their granny's house. Granny had no limits on the, cons- on the consumption of chocolate, no qualms about letting them use her power tools. And she absolutely insisted that they spend hours and hours watching reality TV with her because she thoroughly enjoyed watching regular people humiliate themselves on national television. But the best thing about granny was her stories. Every night before bed, they would snuggle around her on the sofa and she would tell them a wonderful tale. I want to tell you a story about some dear, three dear friends of mine, began Grandmother on the first night of their visit. They were called Nathan, Gerald and Sophie. At this point, she started to dab a tear from her eye. Why are you crying, Grandmother asked Peter. I can't tell you, it would ruin the story, said Grandmother. It's a sad story, is it, said Luke. In part, said Grandmother, when I think about how those poor pigs suffered. Grandmother said no more. She just sniffed a little. So it's a story about pigs, is it, asked Lucy. That's what I said, said Grandmother, Nathan, Gerald and Sophie. You didn't say they were pigs, said Peter. 
I don't know why you'd assume they weren't pigs," said Grandmother. "My story is about three young people who just happen to be pigs, whose cruel mother forced them to go out and find their own places to live. Now, hands up if any of you have a cruel mother. Any of you, Elise? Do you want to put your hand up? You, you just wink so that your mummy can't see you. That's okay. That's okay. Okay. Their cruel mother forced them to go out and find a place to live. She made them leave home when they were just children," asked Lucy. "Oh no, they were in their early thirties," said Grandmother. "But it's cruel to force a child to leave home when they when you're that good at cooking. If you can make a caramel basket as delicious as the ones my mad, friend Madge whips up, you can understand why it's cruel to expect her children to go and live anywhere else. But still, you don't get that good at caramelizing sugar without being good at hardening your heart." Whenever I try and make caramelized sugar, I find it impossible to resist eating the sugar straight out of the bag before I even get started. So anyway, one day after being given two months' notice and plenty of money to pay for a rental bond each, Madge forced her children heartlessly into the street. But if they had money for a rental bond, what was the problem? Asked Peter. Why didn't they just rent a flat or apartment, as Gracie would call them? Why didn't they just rent an apartment? Because they were pigs," said Grandmother, as though that explained everything. The children still looked confused. They took the bond money straight around to the sweet shop and spent it all on candy and lollies, and sat in the gutter outside the shop eating all afternoon," explained Grandmother. "That's appalling," said Lucy. "I know," said Grandmother. "It's all very well to sit in the gutter if you want to weep in despair, or if your shoes are dirty and you need to wash them in the rainwater. But if you're going to eat lollies, it's much better to sit underneath a bush. Then you're much less likely to be interrupted by someone who wants to share with you. No, I mean it's appalling for them to spend all their rent money on candy," said Lucy. Now Grandmother looked confused. But what else could they do? If you're going to be homeless, it's important to be well fed. Lucy was about to argue further, but Peter touched her hand and shook his head ever so slightly. There's no way Grandmother would ever see the reason in their argument against eating dangerously huge amounts of sugary food. So, having a lovely little snack, the three young pigs set off to find somewhere to live. Continued Grandmother. Of course, they couldn't live together. Why not? Asked Luke. Because they were brother and sister," said Grandmother. "So naturally, they fought terribly. Now, do any of you young people fight terribly? Hands up, Kathy. You can put your hand up. Do you have any brothers and sisters you fight with? No. Oh, she's nodding. Yep. Anyway, but we're brothers and sisters," said Peter, "and we don't fight terribly. Yes, but that is because you have my mature, guiding influence," said Grandmother. But you get into fights all the time," Luke pointed out. "Exactly," said Grandmother. "Which saves you having to fight, which is why you can get along so peaceably together." Anyway, Nathan, Gerald, and Sophie were not as lucky as you. They bickered. So as they set off down the road, they were looking for three separate places to live. Let me guess," said Peter. Nathan built a house of straw. How did you know?" asked Grandmother, taken aback. "I've heard a similar story before," admitted Peter. Well, you haven't got it quite right," said Grandmother. He did build a house of straw, but it was built of drinking straws. What?" said Lukey. Luke rudely, because you know you should always say, "I beg your pardon." But he was so shocked he forgot his manners. 
You see, Nathan could not afford to buy any straw, being penniless, but he could go around all the fast food establishments and milk bars and burger joints and sandwich shops in town, and when no one was looking, take three or four straws from each of the dispensers. It took him several months, but eventually he had enough drinking straws to build a two-bedroom bungalow with a rumpus room and an entertaining deck, said Grandmother. He built an entire house out of drinking straws, marvelled Peter. Yes, and it was jolly good fun, actually, said Grandmother. True, they did crackle a bit underfoot as you walked about, but you could run and bounce off the walls like a bouncy castle. (laughs) And (laughs) you could lower the ceiling, which was very handy when you needed to change a light bulb. Grandmother stopped at this point and started eating cake. Um, Aren't you going to tell us the rest of the story, asked Lucy. What was wrong with that story, asked Grandmother. It had a happy ending and taught you an important lesson about recycling and using sustainable materials to build a dwelling. Technically, I don't think it's recycling unless the straws had been used for drinking first, said Luke. Well, that would have been disgustingly unhygienic, said Grandmother. But what about Gerald and Sophie, asked Lucy. You want to know about them too, asked Grandmother. Yes, said all three children. This was by far the most intriguing version of the three little pigs they had ever heard. Well, Gerald was not as good at lateral thinking as his brother or sister, so as he was walking along the road, it did not occur to him to use drinking straws, drinking cups or any other disposable beverage aid to build a house. Night fell and he had nowhere to stay, said Grandmother. Oh, that's terrible, said Lucy. Not really, disagreed Grandmother. It was summer and therefore a warm night. He just lay down under a tree, took the lolly wrappers out of his pocket, sprinkled them all over himself to make a makeshift blanket, and he fell asleep quite happily. So he didn't build a house, asked Luke. Oh, yes, he did, said Grandmother, because the next morning, Mother Nature gave him a brilliant idea. Mother Nature, asked Luke. Yes, when he woke up in the morning... A branch had fallen onto him, said Grandmother, and he was covered in sticks. And that gave him the idea to build a house out of sticks, guessed Peter. No, said Grandmother, although now you mention it, it's not a bad idea. No, it gave him the idea to make a house of matchsticks. What, said the three children. They were all so enthralled by the story, they'd lost their manners. But how, asked Lucy, totally baffled. Well, he was a natural scavenger like his brother, explained Grandmother. So he went around all the bars and restaurants, anywhere they gave away free matchbooks. It must have taken him forever to build a house out of those teeny tiny matchsticks, marvelled Peter. Oh yes, agreed Grandmother, and an absolute ocean of model glue. But how could he afford to buy the glue, asked Lucy. Ah, he got lucky there, admitted Grandmother. A glue truck crashed at the end of his street, so he was able to scavenge vats and vats full. And that's how he built a house out of matchsticks. So how did Sophie build her house, asked Luke. Aha, said Grandmother. She was a far more sensible pig, much more sensible than her brother's. And she had something of her mother's genius for desserts. So she didn't build her house from drinking straws or matchsticks. She built her house entirely out of chocolate. Wow, said all three children. But surely it would melt, said Peter. You said it was summer. Well, what she did was she had huge outdoor air conditioners set up to blast cold air at the house, explained Grandmother, and a giant parasol overhead to block the sunlight. But where did she get the chocolate from if she didn't have any money, asked Lucy. 
Pillow mint, said grandmother. Pillow mint, said the children. Yes, if you stay in a fancy hotel, they often put a chocolate mint on your pillow when they make your bed, said grandmother. It's to encourage tooth decay by luring you into eating chocolate after you've brushed your teeth. But how do they get enough pillow mints to build a house, asked Luke. By going through the trash, of course, said grandmother. I know it's hard to believe, but some people who stay in fancy hotels, people like dentists and diabetics and dieters, they do not eat their pillow mints. And they throw them away, asked Peter. They do, concurred grandmother. Shocking, isn't it? So by going around all the hotels in the city and gathering up all the unwanted pillow mints, Sophie was able to get enough chocolate to build herself a home. And what happened next, asked Lucy. Isn't that enough, asked Grandmother. I tell you three extraordinary stories of pigs exhibiting unparalleled resourcefulness and architectural ingenuity, and you want more? Well, what happened to the house, asked Peter. And wasn't there a wolf? No, said Grandmother. Whatever gave you that idea? So all three houses are still standing to this very day, asked Luke. No one blew them down? Oh, I didn't say that, said Grandmother. There was a wicked butcher called Mr. Wolf. Was he a wolf, asked Lucy. No, said Grandmother. Whatever would make you think that? No, he was a human called Wolf. Do I need to slow down and write out some notes for you because you're finding it hard to follow? No, 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 just keep telling the story, said Peter. Well, this wicked butcher was too cheap and too mean to actually pay for meat, said Grandmother. He would never buy beef, lamb or pork from a farmer. He would scavenge for meat. But how do you scavenge for meat, asked Peter. You don't find cows lying about the place. Exactly, said Grandmother. He would pick up possums and cats and pigeons that had been hit by cars and were lying dead on the side of the road and take them back to his shop and cut them up and stick them under signs saying that they were beef, pork and lamb. That's dreadful, said Lucy. But how did he get away with it, asked Peter. Possum or cat would taste like, wouldn't taste like lamb or beef. It would if you covered it in peanut sauce and called it a satay stick, said Grandmother. The children gasped. That's right, continued Grandmother. You should always be sure of the motives of your butcher before you buy any of his pre-prepared, ready-sourced foods. I think I'm going to be sick, said Peter. So you can just imagine what such a wicked man thought when he heard that there were three young pigs living in the woods, said Grandmother. He thought he'd sell them some cat meat, guessed Luke. No, silly, said Peter. He wanted to chop them up. He did indeed, declared Grandmother. He picked up his sharpest butcher's knife and set off into the woods. It was not long before he came to the house of drinking straws. So did he knock on the door, asked Luke. He did, said Grandmother. But it doesn't make much noise if you knock on a door made out of drinking straws, so he had to yell. Little pig, little pig, open the door or I'll I'll knock it down by force. And Nathan replied, never, I won't let you chop me up and cover me in sweet and sour sauce. Well, as you can imagine, a fully grown butcher with a very sharp knife was never going to be delayed for long by a door made out of drinking straws. The special in the butcher's shop that week was pork in plum sauce, said Grandmother. That's dreadful, said Lucy. I know, agreed Grandmother. And the customers so enjoyed eating actual pork that it soon sold out. So the butcher went back into the woods in search of the second pig. 
I'm not liking the way this is going, said Luke. He soon came to the house of matchsticks, said Grandmother. But again, the little pig refused to let him in. So did he hack the door down with a meat cleaver, asked Peter. He tried, said Grandmother, but the second little pig was actually quite a gifted model maker. And he'd used so much glue that when the butcher made his first hack, the knife got stuck in the door and he couldn't pull it out. So the pig was saved, said Lucy. Well, he would have been, said Grandmother, but unfortunately the butcher was so frustrated that he stamped and stomped on the ground. And when he kicked at the dirt, he inadvertently kicked a stone at the house. That stone was made of flint, and when it hit the house, it caused a spark. Oh dear, said Peter, guessing what was coming next. Now, when you make a house out of matchsticks and highly flammable hobby glue, you don't want sparks coming anywhere near your home, said Grandmother. The butcher had Cajun pork on special that week. Now, just so you know, kids, Cajun pork is slightly burnt pork. You've got to have footnotes for some of this stuff. Okay. When all the slightly burnt pork was sold, the butcher set off into the woods in search of the third pig. And that is when he came to the house of chocolate. And he couldn't get in because the house was so well made. Guess Luke? No, the third pig invited him in, said Grandmother. Little pig, little pig, let me come in, cried the butcher. And surprisingly, Sophie replied, sure, but I've lost the key to the front door, so you'll have to eat your way in. The butcher enjoyed chocolate as much as the next person, so he put down his knife and started chomping, said Grandmother. Little did he know that Sophie was a deeply sensible pig. Her front door was not like a common house front door, which was only which are only two inches thick. She had made her solid chocolate door two feet thick. <laughs> so the butcher ate and ate and ate and ate, but he had to eat 50 kilos of chocolate. That's 110 pounds, by the way, Gracie. <laughs> 110 pounds of chocolate before he broke through and another 90 kilos or 200 and something pounds of chocolate before there was a hole big enough for him to climb through the hole. And by the time he'd eaten 140 kilos of chocolate, he wasn't capable of climbing anywhere. He just lay on the ground moaning. Probably like the sounds you all made on Easter morning after you had too many Easter eggs. Yes, my own children did the same thing. So is that the end of the story, asked Lucy. Pretty much, said Grandmother. So the butcher learned his lesson, guessed Peter, and never troubled Sophie again. In a way, said Grandmother. While Sophie had endured a lifetime of bickering and fighting with her brothers, she did still love them. So she was not going to let the butcher get off that easily. So what happened, asked Luke. Well, Sophie decided she would run the butcher shop, said Grandmother. And that week's special was Mr. Wolf Pie. All the customers assumed that Mr. Wolf had made the pie. Little did they realise that he had been made into the pie. The children stared at their grandmother in stunned, horrified awe. And so Sophie lived happily ever after, and to this day she runs the best vegetarian butcher shop in all the land. The end, said grandmother. Now time for bed. Well, that's the end of my story. How am I going for time? Stacks of time? Eight minutes. That's not stacks of time. It's barely enough time. So are they muted or can I hear them? They can unmute themselves. Unmute yourselves. Does anybody have a question?
Hello. Does anybody want to ask me a question about being a fabulously successful international best-selling author? Otherwise, I can tell you another story. Okay. Abby and is it Alicia? Alicia. Alicia, would you ask me a question? Hey, parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. another story yeah i can i've got another one here i'll read it in a minute but let's have a couple of questions first and i'll drink water and i'll look at how beautiful you all are does anybody else have another question or you just want to look at me elise did you have a question yes fire away what, ha- what happened to the two other pigs well there was subtext in that story that you may have missed out on your mother might have to hug you as i break this to you no. they were eaten they were sold in the butcher shop and eaten. It's a terrible story. Yeah, she's on her mum's lap now. I don't blame you. No, you see, I've started writing this series of fairy tales. And you see, when I write my regular stories, I have to abide by modern day rules of what's appropriate to say to children. But back in the olden days, when they wrote all these fairy tales, they are horrific, terrible things happen. Like like Snow, uh, Snow White, like they, the, wood, the, the guy takes her off into the forest to... I'm not even going to say because there's young children listening, but there's a lot of violence in fairy tales. So I tried to make it a little bit more subtle. And I'm sorry if I've traumatized anybody with that terrible story. Anybody else got a question? Or just want to scratch their face? Yes, boy, child. Is it hard writing those stories? Um, It's not hard writing fractured fairy tales because some other poor sucker, like the Brothers Grimm or Hans Christian Andersen, came up with it hundreds of years ago and now he's been dead for a long time and so I can violate his copyright which makes it easy to structure the story generally it's pretty I'm pretty good at coming up with stories it's sort of they just um, flow out of me I, I heard um, there's a, an author called Salman Rushdie and he said that if you if you're good at telling stories it's like a tap that you can turn on and turn off and it's a bit like that with me but it's exhausting as well though sometimes I come up with a bunch of stories and um I get so sucked into the world of the stories that I've created that I find it very hard to behave like a normal person afterwards. So, like, my children will speak to me and I'll just be staring at them and they're like, you're supposed to speak now, Mother, because we've finished speaking. And they'll be like, oh, okay, how was school? And they're like, we didn't go to school today because there's a pandemic. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And they're like, you're staring at us again. So there are challenges with being an author, but I'm lucky that they do flow fairly easily. Does anybody have any other questions? Because that, that actually does lead very well into my next story. This is one that I've written for coming up. It's going to come up on my podcast soon. And this is um, an example of a story I wrote with my little girl who's nine years old. And her name is Sammy. And she, um, she's a strange child. She's here, so I can say that, unless she's watching on Zoom at home. And then I'm in a lot of trouble. She's a wonderful, good-looking child who I respect enormously. <laughs> Don't wreck any of my stuff while I'm here. Anyway... We go and we walk the dog and we come up with weird ideas when we're walking. So this is, this is a story I wrote based on some ideas my daughter and I, my nine-year-old and I, came up with just like a couple of days ago when we were, were walking here in Barrel. Now, for any of you who don't know my hometown, 
barrel. It's a very, very nice, pretty country town. It's very beautiful at the moment with all the autumn leaves. You've got another question? Or you just, what is it? Yeah. My grandma and grandpa used to live in barrel. Oh, yeah. There's lots of people's grandmas and grandpas live in barrel. It's full of them. You're a grandma, aren't you, Kathy? And that's why you live here. It's where the old people come and they congregate and they complain about young people and how awful they are. But old people are terrible at knowing the difference between the accelerator and the brake in their car. So you have to be so careful when you're walking the streets of Barrel. Just because a car is on the road doesn't mean you're safe from it. So you've got to be on, on edge at all times because old people, they, they, they'll just slam into you. They, they knock down the wall outside the courthouse. This, this little old lady in a little hatchback just smashed down because she hit the accelerator and the brake. So you've got to be very careful here. All right. They can't do roundabouts, can they? No. And they certainly can't signal as they do a roundabout. That would just be too much. You've got a question, haven't you there, Elise or Abby? Alicia or Abby. What is it? Where's your trumpet? I didn't think to bring my trumpet. I'm so out of practice. I haven't done a presentation. I can't remember the last time I did a presentation. It would have been before Christmas. I'm really, really out of practice. I was supposed to go to Perth to do all these presentations in Perth, and they cancelled it. So um, this is really good because I would have forgotten how to tell stories if I didn't have to do this. So I'm sorry I forgot my trumpet because it is really unprofessional of me to turn up somewhere without my trumpet and I do feel chastised and ashamed and I'll never do it again. Also, probably ruin this beautiful microphone. You can't see it. I'll show you. Oh, this is a really fancy microphone. It's called Blue. Is it a Blue Yeti? It's a Blue Yeti. And I love them because they're named after a monster. Yeah. That's oh. like what they have on those radio shows. Yeah, it is just like the ones they have on the radio shows. But I just think it's so cool they named it after a monster. Someone obviously... I have one like that. Oh, you do? Okay. But it's like on the floor and it's like that. Well, this has got a whole like stand thing happening. It's quite impressive. It's much more impressive than me. Really, you should just... Yes. So if I suddenly stood up, you could make it suddenly as tall as me. Anyway, let's get on to this story, and then that'll sort of take us up to time. All right, here we go. This is a story I wrote with my daughter, Sammy, and it's called A Tall Tale About Ducks and Piranha. Before I start, does everybody know what piranha are? Have you not read that book, Piranhas Eat Bananas, by Alan, Alan like Blaylock? Like it's a flesh-eating fish from the Amazon. These are things you need to know if you're going to be a great creative writer because things like flesh-eating fish from the Amazon and yetis, they're so cool. You need to be able to drop them in wherever you can. All right, here we go. In autumn, if the sun is shining and you need to get outside... you need. Sorry, I'll start again. I've stuffed up already. In autumn, if the sun is shining, you need to get outside and enjoy it because you never know if this will be the last sunny day before the cold hits and you'll be stuck wearing coats and beanies for the next four months regretting that you didn't soak up every last vacillating light particle you could before it got too cold for you to enjoy it. So on this day, even though it would have been lovely to sit inside and do nothing, Mum insisted that they take the dog for a nice long walk. Walk where? asked Tammy sceptically. You see, I've renamed my daughter in the story Tammy, so no one will ever guess it's about my daughter, Sammy. I'm very clever, aren't I? Can I get a fart? <laughs> oh, you're called Tammy too, yeah, yeah. It's about this, Tammy. Anyway, <laughs> walk where, asked Tammy sceptically. She knew her mother's wicked ways. She knew mum was a fitness fanatic who would try and sneak in some extra exercise at every available opportunity. 
Oh, just up the hill, said Mum, with a gleeful glint in her eye. Oh, not the hill, moaned Tammy. But you love the hill, said Mum. I hate the hill, said Tammy. You haven't always hated the hill, said Mum. I hated it ever since I had a bad back, said Tammy. But that's better now, said Mum, isn't it? Yes, begrudged Tammy. So now you can really enjoy walking up the hill, said Mum. But I don't want to, said Tammy. We so rarely get what we want in life, said Mum, striding out of the house towards the hill. I hate you, said Tammy. I hate you too, said Mum. And by hate, I mean love. <laughs> I mean hate, said Tammy. <laughs> of course you do, said Mum, with a wink. I know what you really mean. Ugh, said Tammy, as she slouched off after Mum and the dog. <laughs> Soon Tammy did come to enjoy the walk, despite the hill, mainly because she found a long floppy stick that she could swoop around her head and it made a very satisfying whipping noise through the air. That's caused by air resistance, said Mum. You see, this is why we come for walks. You're not, nearly <laughs> you're not just nearly taking my eye out when you swing that about, you're also learning about science. I want to hit something with it, said Tammy. The fresh air and sunshine was making her giddy with power. You've already hit me twice and the dog once, Mum reminded her. That should be enough hitting for today. At this point, they came to the bridge over the creek. And you must never walk over a creek without stopping at the middle of the bridge and looking down into the water. To not do so shows a gross lack of romance in your soul and imagination in your brain. So Mum and Tammy intuitively knew this and they both stopped and stared down into the water. The local council had recently cleaned out all the weeds and the shopping trolleys and the litter, so it looked unusually lovely. It's nice to see the water so clean, said Mum. Hmm, said Tammy, still thinking about her stick and what she could whack with it. I'd love to see some fish in there, said Mum. Perhaps some nice trout. Tammy glanced down. Or some piranha. Now it was Mum's turn to get a gleam in her eye. Now that would be wonderful. But how could it be? Piranha only found in the Amazon River in Brazil. How could Piranha be in a little creek in small town, regional Australia? Perhaps they got lost, said Tammy. Or, said Mum, perhaps they were on the run because they'd committed some terrible crime. Like what? asked Tammy. Well, piranhas have an insatiable appetite for flesh, said Mum. Perhaps they ate something they shouldn't. Or someone they shouldn't. Like who? said Tammy. Perhaps... It was a beautiful princess, said Mum. It happened so easy. It could have happened so easily. You know how beautiful princesses always wear such silly, frilly dresses. Well, you could easily trim up, trim, trip over the hem of a particularly ridiculous and impractical dress, and then she fell face down into the Amazon River. As you do, said Tammy. Well, you do if you're an Amazonian princess, said Mum. And of course, as soon as you hit the water, the piranha could not resist. They had no respect for her couture fashion that had been flown all the way from Paris, they gobbled her up before you had a chance to say, do you know who I am? <laughs> but, she would have been, but she would have said that in Brazilian, not English, said Tammy. Portuguese, said Mum. They speak Portuguese in Brazil. Unless you're a Native American Indian, then they, they speak, would have spoken in their own native dialect. Well, she probably couldn't have spoken at all if she was under the water, Tammy's pointed out. True, very true, said Mum. But anyway, having eaten the princess and having had time to reflect on what they'd done, the piranha no doubt would have reflected that they were going to get in a lot of trouble. People always get very upset when beautiful rich people die unexpectedly. And a lot of people don't like fish unless it's been deep fried in batter and served with a lot of salt. So the piranha would have wanted to get away as far as possible. And what could be further away from the Amazonian jungle than a small town in Australia? Antarctica, said Tammy. 
Well, they'd never go there, said Mum. There's too many seals, and seals eat fish. Piranha would prefer to, Piranha always prefer to be the eater, not the ET. So realising what they'd done, they would have gone on the run. On the swim, Tammy corrected her. Yes, on the swim, agreed Mum. It would have been a long swim down the east coast of South America, past the Cape of Tribulation, across the Pacific Ocean, around New Zealand, up whatever river it is that leads to the creek here, until they finally arrived. And they would have thought they were safe. Mum and Tammy peered down into the water. There wouldn't be much for a piranha to do here, though, would there? Or eat? No, agreed Mum. They could eat the uh, bread the old ladies throw to the ducks, said Tammy. There were a lot of old ladies in their hometown, and they did like to feed the, the ducks, despite all the signs from the council imploring them not to. Or, said Mum, perhaps the piranha would team up with the ducks. Everyone likes ducks. They could form a symbiotic relationship with the ducks. Each piranha could strap a duck to its head, and that way they'd be able to swim around the creek without anyone noticing them and reporting their location to the Brazilian royal family. They could eat as much bread as they liked. But why would the ducks agree to that, asked Tammy. Good point, said Mum. Hmm, duck is delicious, especially in pancakes after hoisting sauce. I guess the piranha would be tempted to eat them. But the piranha would also be terrified of being found out by the royal family of Brazil. So they'd need the ducks so they could remain incognito. In exchange for the ducks' help, <laughs> uh, the piranha would swear an oath never to eat duck or any other meat again. And it'd be worth it because this is such a beautiful town and that the piranha would become enchanted with their life here and truly enjoy their friendship with the ducks. Tammy nodded. She and Mum stared down into the water considering the idea. But, said Mum, what would happen if one of the boys from next door were to kick his football into the creek? One of the annoying boys who makes too much noise when you're trying to write and drives you insane, asked Tammy. Yes, one of them, said Mum. He'd kick his ball into the creek. And the creek isn't very deep, so he'd think nothing of climbing down the bank and reaching in to get it. But as soon as his hands submerged into the water, the piranha would smell the scent of stinky boy. And they wouldn't be able to resist. They'd swoop into a flash of guzzling. The boy would pull out his ball, all right, but he'd lose a hand in the process. His mum would be cross, said Tammy. Very cross, agreed mum. But of course, <laughs> he wouldn't have seen the piranha, said mum. He would have only seen the ducks that were attached to the piranha's heads. He would tell everyone that a flock of ducks had eaten his hand off. And of course, no one would believe him. So the poor boy would be handless and everyone would think he was as nutty as a fruitcake. And the poor ducks would be mortified, said mum. Even though no one would believe such a ridiculous, old uh, ridiculous story, old ladies would start to look at them askance. They'd be less forthcoming with the breadcrumbs. And they'd be angry with the piranha, T Tammy pointed out. Yes, agreed mum. They'd demand that the piranha swear to never do it again. But having had the taste of flesh, even if it was a dirty, grubby little boy, the piranha would now have an insatiable hunger for more. They'd say to the ducks, these breadcrumbs are not our native food. <laughs> Sorry, I was supposed to say that in a Brazilian accent, but I can't do a Brazilian accent. <laughs> so I'm going to skip the whole bit with the Brazilian accents because I haven't practiced that. The, the piranha would protest that the breadcrumbs were not enough and they needed their own native food. Now, it just so happened that on this day, a catalogue fell into the creek, no doubt littered there by the wicked boys from next door. Awesome wicked girl, said Tammy. Yes, agreed Mummy. We must be feminists. It could have been a wicked girl. Girls can be degenerates too. Anyway, this catalogue was an Aldi's catalogue. Oh no, said Tammy. She knew her mother had a great passion for Aldi's and the random products they could obtain, you could obtain from the central aisle. 
As you know, Aldi's often has international food on special, said mom. And it just so happened that this week they happened to have Brazilian food on special. What a coincidence, said Tammy. So the ducks marched down to Aldi's in a long line, as ducks do. The supermarket staff were a little surprised to see them, but they were all paid minimum wage, so they didn't feel they were paid enough to show any initiative. They decided to ignore the ducks so long as they didn't poop on the floor. The ducks selected every food product imported from Brazil and paid for it with a credit card. Now, hang on, said Tammy. Where did ducks get a credit card? The creek, said Mum. It's amazing the things that fall into the creek. Especially if they're thrown there by angry wives trying to get their husbands to stop buying Star Wars memorabilia on eBay. The ducks took all the food back to the creek and presented it to the piranha, saying, Here, here is your Brazilian food. But the piranha were very, very rude and ungrateful. What's this, they asked. Brazilian food, quack, said the ducks. It's pickles and biscuits, said the piranha. This is not the Brazilian food we eat. When we eat Brazilian, we eat Brazilians. We eat Brazilian people. Bring us a Brazilian person right now. Or tonight, we eat duck. The ducks were not impressed. They waddled off in a temper. After all they'd done for the piranha, it was very rude indeed. And no one wants to share a creek with an angry... But no one wants to share a creek with an angry piranha. So they set about looking for a Brazilian. But as you know, in small-town regional Australia, we don't have a lot of South American people here. We've got absolutely none, said Tammy. Exactly, said Mum. The ducks didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't want to go back to the creek, but they didn't want to go to the city and find a Brazilian either. It's such a long way to get to the city, and none of them had a driver's licence. They could have flown, said Tammy. True, agreed Mum. But it's funny how ducks always forget that they can fly. Whenever they cross the road and a car comes along, they never fly away. They only waddle slightly faster. It's like they've got extremely specific amnesia where they totally forget that they're incapable of flying thousands of kilometres with geographic precision. Ducks are complicated, said Tammy. Yes, said Mum, they are. Anyway, these ducks came up with a plan. Since they needed a Brazilian, but they couldn't find one, they decided to make one of their own. What, said Tammy? They went back to Aldi's and bought a massive block of tofu, said Mum. And then they didn't know many Brazilians, so they carved it into a sculpture of one, the one Brazilian they knew all about, Pele. Who's Pele, asked Tammy. The greatest soccer player who ever lived, said Mum. Really, asked Tammy. Well, even I've heard of him and I have absolutely zero interest in the sport, said Mum. So he must be famous. Fair enough, said Tammy. So anyway, the ducks took this life-size statue of Pele down to the bridge over the creek, continued Mum. And as soon as they saw him, the piranha were delirious with hunger. And because they were so crazed with the prospect of finally getting to eat a Brazilian, they totally didn't notice that he was entirely grey and made out of tofu. Throw him in! Throw him in! ordered the piranha. Okay, said the ducks, you asked for it. And they tipped the tofu pele over the railing. He toppled tofu headfirst over tofu heels and landed in the water with a giant splash! In an instant, there was a desperate flashing frenzy as the swarm of piranha leapt forward teeth first and devoured him. They ate with such desperation and fervour. Tofu Pelly was gone in two seconds flat. It was only then that the piranha began to notice the taste in their mouths. The taste of tofu. Ah! cried one piranha. I think I'm going to be sick. That person tasted disgusting. Blah! said another piranha. It tastes 
tasted like mold and mildew and rotten cactus. Yuck, cried yet another piranha. I want to pull my tongue out and put it through the dishwasher on a heavy dirt program. That was disgusting. This gave the mother duck an idea. Oh dear, she said. You must have been living here so long that you have lost your taste for meat. It will always, it will always taste foul to you from now on. This is what happens when <laughs> to people who stop eating meat for... She quickly turned to her nearest duckling and whispered, How long have they been here for? Three weeks, said the duckling. This is what happens to people who go for three entire weeks without eating meat, said the mother. Ugh, said the piranha. What will we do? Rest assured, said the mother duck. While all meat will now be disgusting to you, stale bread and pondweed will still taste like stale bread and pondweed. But that's not very nice either, said the piranha. But it's not as gross as tofu. I mean, the Brazilian person you just ate, is it? Said the mother duck. Yuck, no, agreed the piranha. And so the ducks and the piranha lived happily ever after, said mother. The piranha never eat, ate meat again, and the little boys of the town were much more careful about where they kicked their footballs. And every time you see a duck floating in the creek, just remember there's a piranha strapped to its bottom. The end. You're an idiot, said Tammy. You're an idiot too, said Mum. And by idiot, I mean genius. I mean idiot, said Tammy. I know what you mean, said Mum, because great minds think alike. Ugh, groaned Tammy. And she went back to whipping her stick as they ambled home. The end. And I have used up all my time now. Does anybody want to say anything else or ask anything before I go? You're all checking your watches. Just thank you for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. I'll go home and parent my children now. <laughs> oh, you want to say something? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now be good to your parents. As the New Zealand police say in their very funny videos on the internet. Don't fight over trivial matters with your parents. It's a stressful time for all of us. All right. Okay, you're good. I hope, hope you all enjoy school when you go back. Bye. I'm leaving now. Bye. Thank you for listening to support this podcast. Just buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from from across the Nanny Piggins, Friday Barnes and Pesky Kids series. You can order them through your local bookstore or go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They've got all my titles and free international shipping. Okay, that's it for today. Until next time, goodbye.